Welcome to the Inspire Church Podcast. We hope this message will equip and empower you to reach your God-given potential. Inspire Church is all about loving God, loving people, and inspiring our world. Visit inspirechurch.com.au for more information. Tonight I want to speak to you about protecting your blind sight. And uh, there's a sport in America called NFL or American football. Probably not many of us here watch it because it's not a real sport when Grown men have to wear helmets, have to wear pads. They say they're hard. I reckon if you're hard, you probably play union or league. But anyway, that's another story. Funny thing also about NFL, right, is that one dude, his job, he gets paid millions of dollars and all he does is kick the ball. I'd love to get paid millions of dollars to kick the ball right now. If anyone wants to pay me a million dollars, I'll go outside, I'll kick a ball, I'll kick a ball every day if someone's going to pay me a million dollars. That's his one job, just to kick a ball. They have a whole offensive team. They have a defensive team. I mean, if you can't play both ends of the field, then really. But anyway, it's all good. I'm not not here to bag NFL. But uh, in NFL, there's a a position called left tackle. Now, the left tackle's job is to protect the quarterback's blind side. It's one of the most important jobs in the the sport. It's one of the most high-paid jobs because when the quarterback receives the ball, he'll turn to throw it to obviously try and get to one of his attacking players to get touchdowns. Now, the linemen or whatever you call them, their job is to break through and to try and sack the quarterback because then they lose yards. They only have four turns to be able to get the ball to, you know, to wherever they need it to go. And so the left tackle's job is when the quarterback's turn to throw the pass, he can't see what's going on on the left-hand side of him. He could be standing there looking down the field to see who's open, to see who he can pass the ball to and... If there's not anyone there protecting his blind side, protecting the side that he can't see, then he'll get taken out. So that's why this dude's job is really important. Who here drives a car? Yep, I'll send you on that road. When I was taught to drive a car, I was taught not only to look out my rear vision mirror or the mirrors on the side when I'm about to change lanes because there's that spot on the side of the car that is a blind spot. There's that spot where if you look out your rear vision mirror, then you look out your side mirror, a car can be right there and you don't see it in your mirrors. So therefore you're taught to learn to take, to, look, to put your head over your shoulder and have a look to see if anything's there so you don't crash. In other words, protecting your blind spot. When I was uh, back in Auckland and I was on staff at a church there, I had a uh, guest speaker with me. We were going to some schools to uh, go and teach children about Jesus and all that kind of stuff and Anyway, on the way there, one of my tyres got a flat, and so I pulled into a tyre um, place. I said, hey, can you change this tyre for me? I need it done real quick. They said, yeah, all good. It was on one of the main roads in Auckland, and uh, they got it fixed. It only took like 20 minutes, and so I paid the guy. Got ripped off, as you do when you're living in New Zealand. And, uh, and then, anyway, as I backed out, everything's so expensive there. As I backed out, there was a pole on the left hand, on this side of me, hang on, left, on my right side, Right, I was backing out, and it was on a busy main road. And so I looked, I looked over my left shoulder, nothing, I saw no cars coming. Looked out my rear vision mirror, looked out my side mirrors, but I forgot to look over my right-hand shoulder because the cars were coming from the left. So I thought, what's the point of looking at the right? We're not in America. There's no cars coming that side. I was turning to go that way, so I needed to come out and, and back out and, and, and go. And so there were no cars coming. I got talking to my mate who was with me in the car, and as I turned, I sideswiped a pole that was there. Damage in the side of the car, good look, driving a guest speaker around in a dented up car. And, uh, you know, oh, that's how we do it in NZ. 
I forgot to protect my blind spot. Another time I was at a Westfields in Auckland and uh, we had an SUV and again I had another mate in the car and we, we were talking and I looked out behind my shoulder, nobody there, looked over my other, nobody there, looked out the rear vision mirror, nobody there. So I went to reverse out and all of a sudden I hit this car that just magically appeared. You know, weird thing, we had a reversing camera and I still hit the car. But when I looked through the reverse camera, he wasn't there. But I forgot that moment, then I got talking and started backing out. I forgot that moment to check just as I was backing out if anyone had come behind me. We need to make sure that we're protecting our blind spots. We need to make sure that we're always prepared for anything can happen. We need to make sure we're expecting the unexpected. When police question those in a car accident, most people said they never saw it coming. 96% of people who get scammed said they never saw it coming. What about people who are walking with God, ministries all over the place, who end up getting taken out from the call that God has for them because they never saw it coming, because they never protected their blind spot? What about David? He never saw, he got taken out by Bathsheba. Samson never saw Delilah coming. Judas, devil, took him out. Why? Because they allowed things to come in and through their blind spot, through their back door, to take them out. How's your blind spot today? How's your back door? How's your blind side? Who's protecting your blind side? Because there's this very real enemy out there who has a strategy to take you and I out. Yes, we have a call of God on us. Yes, we're called to see the power of God move in and through our lives. Yes, we're called to make a difference. Yes, we're not called just to sit in church on a Sunday and then live an ordinary life throughout the week. We're called to see the power of God impact moved in us and through us, through our 9 to 5, 24-7, everyday week. But yet there's an enemy that wants to take you out. And if we're not careful, he will come in and hit us at our blind spot. See, Genesis 2 verse 15 to 17 reads like this. The Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. We all know his name. His name was? Well done. You guys went to Bible college, obviously. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you will sure to die. Then we're going to jump over to Genesis 3 verse 1. So here we are, God's made Eve. And, uh, and so, you know, he's obviously been told, they know, don't eat the fruit of that one tree in the middle. There's a whole bunch of awesomeness there in the middle of the garden. And so here we have the devil who's dressed and disguised as a serpent, and he's talking to Eve. And we pick it up here in verse 1. It says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. This is the enemy. Devil, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was so beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some fruit, and she ate it, And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. It's interesting, as we look at that story, they were surrounded by 
heaps of amazing trees. They were surrounded by a beautiful garden, a place of paradise, where they could do whatever they want. They could eat whatever they want, except for this one tree in the middle. You would think you'd be okay with not eating this one tree in the middle, even though it may have looked cool, because there's a whole bunch of other things that looked amazing. It's not as if they were surrounded by a whole bunch of ugly trees with ugly fruit and all of that kind of stuff. It was a garden of paradise. Side note, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When I was reading that, I thought, God, why would you call it the tree of knowledge of good and evil? That's a stumbling block in itself, because if that was me, I'd be, knowledge? What is that? I want more knowledge. Why didn't you call it the tree of death, or the tree of dumbness, or something like that? Why call it the tree of knowledge, and just make people think, wow, man, it's a tree of knowledge, man, I want to I be more knowledgeable, I'm not that wise. Maybe I should eat that. That tree is called the tree of knowledge. Will that give me more knowledge? I think God's got a bit of a sense of humor, to be honest. But they could have eaten anything, but yet they allowed the enemy to come in disguised as a snake with all the amazing words, with all of the right language, hitting the place inside of them that were like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe what God said is not true. Maybe he just doesn't want me to be all powerful and all knowing and all of that kind of stuff. Maybe I won't really die. It's amazing how the enemy slips in through the back door when we least expect it. It's amazing how at times we can be in the best place of our life doing amazing things for God. They were in a place of paradise. They were, that was awesome. There was no sin, nothing. They were even naked, man. They didn't even realize it. They were living the dream right there, free and all. There it is. But yet, they allowed the enemy to come in and blindside them and cause them to sin, which changed the course of history. Where's your life at tonight? You know, Deuteronomy 39, uh, 30 verse 19 says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. You see, Adam and Eve, they, at the end of the day, it was their choice to eat that fruit. The enemy didn't make them. The snake didn't make them. Yeah, he said some good words. Yeah, he enticed them. But at the end of the day, it was their choice. They chose to eat it. You see, so often we can make excuses. Yeah, but, you know, the temptation was too great. You know, my problems are too big. How can I ever walk out the plans that God has for me? Yeah, I keep getting blindsided, but, you know, I don't know what to do. It's just too tough. It's too hard. My family was like this. I never had the same opportunities that some people had. But yet... We've got to choose to make choices that will position ourselves to walk in blessing. We need to choose to make choices, to not allow the enemy to rob and steal us. We need to choose to make choices to be able to stand firm in the power of God, to see God move in and through our lives, to see our schools, our universities, our workplaces, our family members come into the power of God. We need to make that choice. Whenever we make a mistake, it's not someone else's fault. We chose. Just because your circumstances may have determined something at the end of the day, we choose. We choose the relationships that we get into. We choose where we put our finances. We choose the amount of time we spend with our family members, with our wives, with our kids. We choose all of that stuff and the choices that we make have consequences. Consequences of either good or bad. We need to make right godly choices. Making right godly choices must lead then our feelings will follow. 
right godly choices must lead and then our feelings will follow. We're not called to be determined by our feelings because if we do, we'll live a life that's up and down and all over the place. But instead, we need to choose to say, God, I'm going to make good, godly choices. I'm going to make choices that will honor you. I'm going to make choices that will be an example to those who are around me. No matter what the things that I'm going through, no matter what life throws at me, I'm going to still choose to make a right choice so that then my feelings will come into alignment. We know that our flesh, we know what our flesh wants. So we must choose to put it to death every day. Our flesh doesn't always desire God things. My flesh doesn't want to get up in the mornings and come to work. I'd rather sleep all day. My flesh doesn't want to not drive through Maccas and eat that because I'm hungry. I want to do that. My flesh, man, I've got to choose continually to put it to death because I know that if I live out of my flesh, then, man, my life will be in chaos. The enemy will sneak in. He won't come in the front door. He'll sneak in the back door. We're standing here looking forward, looking at the front door. Man, I'm waiting for you, enemy. Man, I'm going to see you coming. Come on, man. Come at me. Come at me. And then he comes through the back door sneaking in. And then he takes us out. I remember when my parents, man, when I was 16, 15 years old, sneaking out the back door, not out the front door. Because mum and dad knew they were watching that. I would sneak out the window, sneak out the front back door. I'd sneak out any way I could to get out and go and go places I shouldn't. The enemy's the same. He'll sneak in. When we don't expect it, he will dress, he'll be dressed all in this amazing things. Whew, she looks awesome. Yeah, but is she saved? Oh, man, that deal looks amazing. But are you tithing? Oh, how about I just invest all my time into work so we have all this money? But where's your marriage at? Oh, I don't really feel like coming to church tonight because there's a league game on at the stadium. That's pretty mad. Yeah, but maybe... You should get into church because I'm not sure if going to a sporting game is going to help move you forward in the things of God. You see, the enemy will come in the back door dressed in things that are appealing, dressed in things that look amazing, dressed in things that look awesome. But behind it all, it's strategies to take us out. He'll hit areas like your faith, your marriage, your finances, I'm too busy, relationships, insecurities, fear, negativity, Rejection is just a whole heap of some of the areas that he will try and hit to take us out. But we're in a relationship with an amazing God who's all-powerful, who's already defeated the enemy. So we don't need to be concerned, but we do need to be aware. We don't need to be continually looking back behind us because we need to look forward, yes. We need to be looking at what the plans and the purposes that God has for us. Don't be held in the past. Don't let what's happened, you know, back in the days hold you back. But we need to be aware that he will sneak in the back door. He will come disguised in ways that we don't think. So we need to to be aware of that and make sure that we're protecting our blind spot. We're in a relationship with an amazing God who loves us. And in Ephesians, it talks about this in 1, Ephesians 1 verse 19 to 20. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. God's incredible greatness of His power for us who believe. We're believers here tonight. There are people who put up their hands and said, I want Jesus. So therefore, we have power in Jesus' name. 
We have power to see walls come down. We have power to see miracles take place. We have power to see answers to prayer. We have power to see salvation to our friends and our family members because we believe. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in that place of honor in God's right hand in the heavenly realms. How amazing is that? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I. But again, every day we get up, we have a choice to make. To choose to walk in that power, that God's purpose, that God's designed for us to walk in, or to walk in what we see around us. To walk in what we see in the natural. To walk in what the lies that the enemy's trying to sow at us. How about we'd be a church that would choose to walk in the power of God? How about we'd be a church that would choose to stand full of faith, knowing that our God is well able, that He is all-powerful, that He is mighty, that He can do amazing things. How about we take that position instead of the position of defeat of, of a person who's defeated? Let's take a position of a person who's victorious and who's in a relationship with a God who's not dead, who's alive, who's well able. Because when you stand in a position of defeat, what you, you, the way you look at things will be very different to when you stand in a position of victory. We're called to stand in a position of victory. A few steps to take to protect our blind side. First one is this. We need to stay out of dark corners. Who likes a dark corner? I don't like a dark corner. My wife does not. When I jump out of the corner, love you, babe. She freaks out because I jumped out of the dark corner. Who knows what's in the dark? Who goes down the dark alleys? I don't. I keep to where the light is because I feel safer that way. We need to stay out of dark corners. Don't put yourself in environments that can cause you to stumble. That's a dark corner. If you're dating here, nothing good happens after midnight. So drop her home early. If you're married, don't go and hang out with a single woman by yourself. Don't put ourselves in positions that would cause us to stumble. If you've got an area in your life that you're struggling with and you know that you get invited to go somewhere and you know that thing you struggle with is going to be there, then don't go. Because that's putting yourself into a dark corner where the enemy will come and blindside you. People who are full of pride, people who think, no, nah, man, I've got this, man, I'm all good, I'm tough as, I'm strong, man, I can handle it, I'm good. They're the ones that fall the most. Don't put ourselves in dark corners. If you feel that you need to keep the thing that you're doing hidden and in the dark, then that's a dangerous situation to be in. If we're doing things here tonight and we're involved in things in our life that if I asked you to come and talk to somebody, I asked you to come and reveal what you're doing, up the front, and we're like, oh, hello, no way. I'm not doing that. Then maybe we should look at what we're doing. When we put ourselves in dark corners, we position ourselves for the enemy to blindside us. We're not called to keep things in the dark. When things are hidden, when things remain in the dark, that's where the enemy's domain. But when we choose to keep things in the light, when we choose to bring things forward, when we choose to be honest, when we choose to reveal areas of our weakness and struggles, then man, people can come alongside you. They can help you walk out of the thing that you're in so you can now walk into freedom. But the moment you stay in darkness, the moment, that moment will be the moment you stumble. I don't want to stumble. I don't want the enemy to blindside me and take me out. Constantly, every day, we need to make choices not to position ourselves in dark corners. We need to stay in the light. 
Second thing is, we need to open our Bible. It's amazing in Matthew verse 4, uh, chapter 2 to 11, I'm not going to read it, but it's the story of when Jesus goes out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting and you know, he's not eating anything. And so he's hungry. He's vulnerable in that moment. And that story goes on to say that at that moment, Satan comes to him and appears to him and attempt, uh, tempts him three times. Three times he tempts him with different things where he could fall and stumble. Interesting that Jesus' response to that was not, oh yeah, I'll think about that. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. Oh, actually the situation, I mean, that's a bit lame. So yeah, that's cool. No, no. Straight away when the enemy comes with temptation, you know what he does? Straight away he comes back with scripture. It says the word of God says. The word of God says. The Word of God says, why? Because He knows there's power in the Word of God. It's not just a big book that we hear and that we tell you you should read. There's actually power in the Scripture. That's the manual of our life. That's the thing where we can learn how to make right choices. God can speak to you through that. Also, it's your weapon, man. When the enemy comes, hit him back with Scripture. Have some Scriptures that you can go back to him at so that he doesn't blindside you. That's what Jesus did. We're called to model ourselves off Jesus. If Jesus did it, then it's probably a cool thing. Maybe we should do it a little more too. Often we say we hardly ever hear the voice of God, but yet God's already spoken through the 66 books of the Bible. So instead of turning up to church on a Sunday, Jesus, speak to me, speak to me. Yeah, do that, it's cool. But why don't we get into the Word of God? You'll be amazed at how, when you position yourself to read the Word of God, how He can speak to you. There's been verses that I've read and I've made notes on, and then I've read it a few years later. I've got other things as well. God's just continually speaking. He's continually unlocking. He's continually, you know, it's like a book that just keeps revolving, that keeps opening up, that keeps just having new stuff coming out of it all the time. God's continually speaking. There's power in the Word of God. That's why the enemy wants to take you out and stop you from reading it, because he knows the power of that book. How about we... Soak ourselves in the Word of God, not just when we need a breakthrough, not just when we feel low, not just when we feel that we're struggling. How about we just soak ourselves in the Word of God every day, in the good and the bad, because if you're not doing it when things are good, it's going to be even harder to do it when things are tough. You need to form your habits and your patterns now when things are going awesome, so that then when tough times come, when the enemy tries to blindside you, then all of a sudden those habits and those patterns are already formed that you can continue to remain and stand in the God call that he has for your life. Third thing is we need to trust your covering. Who's the person in your life that is completely free to speak in? Not just speak in when... You know, when, when it's something nice, it's not just speak all nice things, but who's the person in your life that is free to speak honest, that is free to speak things that we don't want to hear at times, who can talk to our blind spots, who can recognize when we're walking down a path and we're about to get blindsided because we've been completely honest with them about where our life's at. Because we're living in the light, we're not living in the dark corner, we're living in the light with this person, so therefore they start, hey man, you're about to get blindsided. Oh, hold up, we need to just redirect you a little bit. Who's that person for you? I remember growing up as a teenager, I had three key youth leaders uh, through my teenage years, all at different moments, one when I was like young teens, mid-teens, and then up older teens. Man, who, one, I knew they loved me. Two, I knew they wanted the best for me. Three, they would speak in honestly, and I would be honest with them. 
100% honest with them. They would ask me the hard questions. Where were you last night? You weren't at youth. Who were you out with? What time did you get home? What did you do? Did you kiss her? They would ask me all those hard questions when I was dating now. I'm like, yes, I did. I'm sorry. Nah. But we need people in our world who is there, who is a covering for us to protect us. Because I'm telling you, man, sometimes we just won't see the blind side coming. We all have blind spots in our life. We all have things that we're just like, nah, man, I, don't, I haven't seen that in my life. No way. But yet we need to have that one person who is, and I'm telling you, is free to speak the hard things. And you don't get angry. You don't get defensive. You don't get all upset about it. You don't go, I'm going to go and change and go to the next mentor because they, they love me all the time. You know, someone who loves you is awesome, but someone who loves you all the time, even when you're doing things that you shouldn't, is not going to move you forward. Last thing is this. We need to stay in the game. It's interesting, the story of David and Bathsheba, right? He saw Bathsheba. She was having a bath outside. I'm not sure why you do that, but anyway, maybe it's what you did back in those days. He saw her. He's like, whoo, hello. And the rest was history. She was already married, but he still wanted her anyway, so he did. He was a king. I guess you could do what you want when you're king. But it's interesting that David was actually never meant to be at home. He was never meant to be there. Because in Samuel 2, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it says that it was the time of spring, which is the time when kings go to war with their armies. David was a king. He was actually positioned and meant to carry out his duty as king, and he should have been at war. But instead, he gave it up. He gave up, he forfeited his rightful position and his responsibility as king. And he sent Joab to go and fight the battle instead. And he stayed home. In other words, he got out of the game. And because he got out of the game, he then ended up, the whole Bathsheba stuff happened. But yet if he had have remained in the game, if he had have remained walking out the God call that was on his life, if he had have remained positioned where God wanted him to, that would have never happened. I wonder how many people here tonight, you've stepped out of the game for a while. God's been asking you to do things and you've stepped out because it's been too tough or because it hasn't maybe worked out the way you thought it would or you've been offended or whatever the reason is. But you know God's calling you to do something. There's things God's asked you to do that could be in your workplace, could be in your schools, could be here serving at church. And you've stepped out, you've benched yourself. Yeah, there are times where at times we need to sit on the bench and recover, but we shouldn't never remain there. If you remain there too long in the hospital, you end up getting bed sores, rotting away. We're meant to walk with purpose. We're meant to see the power of God move in our lives and then through our lives. We're not called to come here and just have an awesome moment with Jesus and then walk away out of the doors and keep that to ourselves. No, no, we're called to encounter the power of God so then we can see the power of God move through us to impact those around us. We need to stay in the game. We need to not forfeit our position because when we do, that's when the enemy can blindside us. I wonder how many people here tonight, you're out of the game. There's a dream that God's placed inside your heart. Can I tell you, the enemy will come in. He will sow a seed of doubt. You're not good enough. You've made a mistake. Yeah, we all make mistakes. If that was the case, none of us would be here tonight. He causes an offense to come. That leader doesn't love you. 
They don't believe in you. They don't want to see you move forward. So therefore, we choose to step out of the game. That's the enemy strategy, to blindside you. Would we be a church that would choose to stay in the game? Would we be a church that would choose to continue to walk out the God call that's on our life? Yeah, but I'm too old. You're never too old to walk out the call of God in your life. Yeah, but I'm too young. You're never too young to walk out the call of God in your life. Yeah, but i got five kids and a husband and life's hectic. You're never too busy to walk out the call of God that is on your life. Yeah, but I don't know the Bible that well. Hey, we're all still learning. God wants us to be in the game so we don't get blindsided. But not only so we don't get blindsided, so we start to see the power of God moving in and through us. So we start to see God move in all His glory. We start to see souls saved. We start to see people blessed and transformed through things that He's asked us to do. Thank you for listening to this life-transforming message. For service times, upcoming events, or to find out more about Inspire Church, log on to inspirechurch.com.au.